Let's pray together. Father, again, we praise you for your love for us. Lord, only until we see you face to face will we fully understand what Christmas is is all about, Lord. We we know a lot about it. We know that your son came and was born. And, Lord, we know what the Gospels tell us. But yet, Lord, to one day see you face to face. But, Lord, in these moments, as we are given the opportunity to read from the Word of God and learn from Scripture about that that night when you were born and all that was going on, Father, we thank you. I just pray that you will be in our midst this morning and help us, Lord, to learn a little bit more about about that first night, even as the angel went and told the shepherds that something great was happening in Bethlehem. Oh, Father, please speak to every heart that's in this room this morning. And thank you, Lord, for everyone who is here. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to read about the angels, the angel coming to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And I'm going to be reading this out of the Living, Living Bible. Look, I've often thought about, are there places in the Bible that if you were given an opportunity to be there, would you not have wanted to be there? Just think about this for just a second. Now, loving the outdoors like, like I do, I would have loved to have been there standing on the shore when that great fish bit Jonah out. Now, now look, now think about it for just a second. I mean, you're just minding your own business. Maybe you're surf casting and all, and here's this great fish that vomits up a man. Can you imagine... The shock and surprise and joy in Jonah's heart and mind. I think about some of the things that Jesus did during his ministry. I think about if we could have been there and saw Lazarus come forth from the grave. Wow, who is this man? He must be the resurrection and the life. I think about the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And as the Pharisees and scribes wanted to stone her to death, and Jesus looking at them and saying, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then beginning to file away, humbled. And the woman looking into the eyes of the Lord and him saying, I do not condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Well, folks, there's another time that I'd like to bend there, and that was on this night when the angel came to the shepherds. Follow with me as I read out of the Living Bible, beginning with verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. That night, some shepherds were in the field outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel appeared among them, and the landscape shone with the glory of the Lord. They were badly frightened. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring the most joyful news ever announced, and it is for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? You will find a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth for all those pleasing him. When this great army of angels had returned again to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story expressed astonishment. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and often thought about them. And folks, listen to verse 20. Then the shepherds went back again to their fields and flocks, praising God for the visit of the angels. And because they had seen the child just as the angel had told them. I hope that if you haven't read this story during this Christmas season, that you'll go back and read this old, old story of Christmas. And folks, the first thing I think about is what a night. What a night. It is a time of celebration on earth and in heaven. It is a time of celebration in the hearts of men and women on the earth. It is a time of celebration. I don't know if angels have hearts, but it's a time of celebration in the hearts of the angels and all the heavenly hosts. And here again, what verse 10 says, I bring you the most joyful news ever announced, and it is for everyone. Folks, what a powerful statement. It is for everyone. And folks, as I read and look at this story, I think about our Christmas cantata last week, how beautiful and meaning it was, meaningful it was. But in Luke chapter 2, this is the first Christmas cantata. This is the first Christmas chorus, choral festival. This is the first Christmas music program. And look again at verse 13 and 14. Just listen as I read these verses. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast hope, host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest, they sang, and peace on earth. And folks, what a celebration is going on inside of Bethlehem and outside of Bethlehem. And I've just got this just as a side note. What a disturbing time it must have been for Satan and all of his minions and the host in hell. There was no rejoicing or singing there because the Savior of all humanity had come to this earth to conquer sin, death, and hell itself. Folks, for you and for me, Christmas is a day whose purpose is to celebrate that God has loved us so much that his son came for us. This day, this event, the purpose of this day, the effect of Christmas should be a time of great celebration for you and I. Let me point out some of the details of this story, and I just ask that you'll listen to these and you'll apply them to your life. Verse 8 Here's the scene. Jesus, in verse 7, has been born in a manger in Bethlehem. And in verse 8, that very night that Jesus is born, the first announcement of the Savior's birth was given by the angel to some anonymous shepherds. 
Folks, why? Why did God choose shepherds? Why didn't God choose priests or scribes or the rich or famous or the important? Folks, I believe that there's a very beautiful point that by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God to all mankind. Verse 10 says that this is good news for everyone. The Revised Standard says to all people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, the entire world. But folks, this night, these shepherds were given the first birth announcement by the angel of God. Folks, these shepherds were really the outcast in Israel. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. It kept them away from the temple for weeks. The folks, the, the picture that comes to my mind, you remember Pigpen on Charlie Brown? You remember the little boy Pigpen? He is so dirty that every step he takes, dust or grit or dirt comes off of him. He is so dirty and he is so unkept that not a lot of people want to be around him. And folks, I sense that some people felt that way toward the shepherds. Why would God want these humble shepherds, these no-names, to know about the baby born in the manger? Let me read a couple of passages of Scripture to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, they're on the screen. For consider your call, brethren, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Folks, here's the picture. God wants every person on this earth, regardless of how low they might appear in the eyes of others, God wants everyone to know his son. And to prove that, God sent the angel to the shepherds. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, God had sent the angel to the angel Gabriel to Mary and listen to what the angel had said in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 53. And the angel says, has told Mary about the birth, and this is what Mary says. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness. Listen to this. The lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He had scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Folks, is there any single one of us that could say that we're good enough to merit God's salvation? Is there any one of us to say that we're deserving that God's son would leave his throne in heaven and come and take our sin upon himself and die on a cross? 
Folks, the story of Christmas is about God reaching out to humble, simple, lowly people like you and me. And that night as the announcement came to the shepherds, it's important to see that Jesus came to be the good shepherd. And he says that in John chapter 10. And Jesus came to be the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the world. And that's what John the Baptist says in John 1.29. Perhaps the very shepherds that are given the birth announcement are caring for lambs that they knew would be sacrificed in the temple And folks, it was fitting that the good news about God's shepherd and God's sacrificial lamb would first come to humble shepherds. And I believe that there's another reason that God told these shepherds about the birth of his son. Shepherds were practical men. They could not be fooled easily. They had little to do with fantasy. If they said they saw angels that they had found the Messiah, you could believe them. And folks, in verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story expressed astonishment. But folks, as these shepherds are out in the field, the angel appears to them. Remember, Gabriel has already appeared to Zechariah and Mary in chapter 1. But now the glory of the Lord shone round these angels. And folks, I want to point something out about this. In the Old Testament, God had revealed himself through his glory. And I want to point out three ways. Okay, look on the screen. In the Old Testament, God's glory has been revealed. If you go back and read Exodus 19, as God led Moses and the people to Mount Sinai, you remember that they met God there. And they knew because of not only the thunder and lightning, but the presence of God was there. Later on, in in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35, and this is in what was called the tent of the meeting, uh, the tent of meeting which was carried around as the people traveled, and it represented the presence of God. Listen to these verses. We're going to tie this together, okay? Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because a cloud settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And a third experience of knowing the, the glory of God and the presence of God was Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. When the temple that God had commanded Solomon to make was finished, listen to this. When Solomon ended his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. But folks, as you and I begin to read farther into the Old Testament, we find something out. The glory of God had departed the nation of Israel because of their sins. You and I know from the study of the Word of God that from the book of Malachi until the writing of the Gospels was about a three or four hundred year period when the Word of God was not heard. There were no spokesmen that stood up and proclaimed the Word of God. 
It was because of the people's sin. The glory of God had departed because of the nation's sin. But when Jesus was born, the Christmas story is about God's glory returning to earth. How? It was not in lightning or thunder. It was not in a glowing presence. It was not in a cloud. But the Christmas story is about God's glory returning to earth in the person of his son. And as evidence of that, look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Folks, here's the point. God wants humanity to know him. And God is going to reveal himself. And God throughout the Old Testament revealed himself in many, many wonderful ways. But the way that he has revealed himself in the greatest way is how? In the coming of his very own son, Jesus Christ. As the eternal God became human flesh and lived among us. And folks, listen. These shepherds sense the presence and glory of God. And they're filled with fear in verse 9. They knew that they were in the presence of eternal God. And you and I need to remember at Christmas time that the story of Jesus' birth brings us into the presence of the Lord himself. And here's the angel's response to their fear. The angels say to the shepherds, be not afraid. And folks, that's been said already by Gabriel to Zechariah in chapter 1, verse 13, and to Mary in chapter 1, verse 30. And folks, let me tell you what is so wonderful about this. Because of the Christmas event, we no longer have to fear standing in the presence of the glory of God. And why is that? What caused the glory of God to depart in the Old Testament? It was a people's sin. In Jesus, our sins are taken away, and you and I can stand in the presence of God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, perhaps. And perhaps it doesn't seem to have much meaning. But the Bible tells us that one day all of us will stand in the presence of God and give an account of ourselves. And folks, if we stand in our own righteousness, we shall be condemned. But if we stand in the righteousness of Jesus that has come because he shed our blood and our sins have been washed away, we stand in God's presence as one of his children. And the angel told the shepherds, don't be afraid. And then the angel has got a commission, an assignment for these shepherds. He tells them to go into the city and there you'll find the baby. And the angel says, I bring you good news of a great joy. That good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, the angel says, this good news is for everyone. The gospel of Luke emphasizes that the gospel is for every person who has ever lived on this planet. And folks, what is this good news? The good news, verse 11, that that day in the city of David, God sent his son. God didn't send a soldier or a judge or a reformer, but he sent a savior to meet our greatest need. 
And that need is our salvation from sin. And please notice in verse 11, three titles are given to this baby. Three titles are given to Jesus. Let me point these out, okay? Number one, he is Savior. What does that mean? He is our deliverer from sin. The second title is Christ, the fulfiller of prophecy. And folks, throughout the Word of God, as you discover and I discover as we read the Word of God, it had been promised in the Old Testament that God would send His Son. Let me just read three of them. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear son, and you shall call His name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 53, and I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but God, through Isaiah, prophesied that one would come who would suffer and make himself an offering for sin. Jesus is the fulfiller of prophecy. He is who all history points toward. And a third title in verse 11 given to Jesus is the Lord. Is the Lord. Folks, let me read a devotional. This was from December the 22nd, 2005, out of the open windows. Listen to this. To most people in our culture, the first advent of Jesus seems sweetly serene. The image of Jesus as a baby lying in the manger is anything but threatening. The Christmas songs present an image of a helpless babe surrounded by clean and friendly barnyard animals, hardly a picture that strikes fear in the hearts of people. But the second advent will be a different story. When the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ begin to rise, for many it will be sheer panic. Jesus came the first time as a cooing child. He will come the second time as a conquering king. Those who denied him in their lives will bow, bow their knees and confess Jesus is the Lord. Listen to this. The manger led to the cross, and the cross led to the crown. As we celebrate his first coming as a baby, let us re remain mindful of his second coming when he comes back as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords. And folks, getting back to Luke 2, the angel has told them that in the city of David is born a Savior. But listen, in verse 12, the angel says, to prove what we've announced is true, go to Bethlehem. And when you go to Bethlehem, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And folks, listen to verse 13. I absolutely love this verse. Let me read it to you again. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest, they sang, peace on earth for those pleasing God. Folks, listen, this heavenly host is praising God. This army of angels is praising God. Folks, listen. The song points upward and the song points earthward. First of all, it says glory to God in the highest. 
First, the praise is directed toward the Heavenly Father whose plan it was to send the Savior. Folks, in Job 38, 7, the angels are praising God at creation, but now the heavenly hosts are praising God the Father at the beginning of the new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the angels also speak about what's happening on earth, on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Roman law, Greek philosophy, Jewish rules of religion could not meet the needs of men's heart. So what did God do? He sent his son. And folks, Jesus gives peace. It is a peace with God because our sins are removed. We become a child of the holy God. We become a new creation in Christ. And so, folks, these shepherds were obedient to the declaration of the angel and the heavenly host, and they go to Bethlehem. And on their way, I'm convinced they're believing that they're going to see the world's Savior. I love what Luke says, they ran with haste. How many of you have been running with haste in the last couple of weeks? Has there not been a rush, a Christmas rush, a rush to Walmart, a rush to the mall, to the Bass Pro Shops in Cabela's? But these shepherds rushed to Bethlehem and they found Mary and Joseph and the Son of God. All who seek the Lord will find him. This morning, my heart's desire is that if you have not yet trusted Christ as your Savior, that you'll find out who this baby born on Christmas Day is. He is none other than what the angel said. He's the Savior, he's the Christ, and the Lord. And folks, in verse 17, they begin to tell all about the announcement to everybody. And in verse 18 and 19, all who heard it, and even Mary, couldn't fully understand all that the shepherds were declaring, but they knew it was a time of celebration. They knew that God had done something special, and God was preparing to do even more great and wonderful things for mankind through this baby that was born. And listen to verse 20, and I'll close with this. Then the shepherds went back again to their fields and flocks. Now listen to this. Praising God for the visit of the angels and because they had seen the child just as the angel had told them. Folks, it's so beautiful. The shepherds took the place of the angel and the heavenly host and they reported the news of the Savior to others. Folks, that's our job as a church of Jesus Christ. We who know the Savior are now to tell about his coming to earth for all of mankind. Folks, again, as we read the Christmas story that first night, it was a time of celebration. And I pray that you and I are celebrating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For us, for us, as simple and as lowly as we might think we are, he came for us. 
Let us pray. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Jesus, thank you that you gave up your throne and you came to this earth. Not as the king that you are, but as a baby to live among men. To face daily what each of us face. To be tempted. To struggle to face hardships, to be rejected, to be put to death on a cross, to be buried in a grave. But thank you, Lord, that grave could not hold you. Thank you, Father, that you have shown us how much you love us through this baby. And, Father, just pray that each one of us would know that Jesus was your Son freely given for us. And I thank you that when we turn to him in repentance from sin and we in faith believe that he is the Savior, the Christ and the Lord, that he comes into our hearts and makes us a new creation. Lord, we have so much to celebrate. And I pray that as a Christian and as a Christian church, we will be like the angel and the heavenly host and the shepherds And we will tell the world about the good news of your son and his gospel. And Father, today as we continue to be with family and friends, as we continue to watch our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren enjoy this day, Father, may we give you honor and glory because this day is about you and about how much you love us. Father, we praise you and we thank you. And we celebrate your love in Jesus' name.